Welcome to the Real Film Nerds Podcast. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Real Film Nerds. And uh, this episode is 128, in which we are going to talk about scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, Matt is uh, my co-host, and I am Mike Mysterious Talent. It's now Mike Mysterious Talent instead of Mysterious Mike Talent? Great. Now I'm going to have to change the URL and the Facebook and the Instagram and the tweets dick and the snap dick and Jesus, Mike. I know, man. I, you know, you know how it is. I, you know, I just, I roll with whatever. So, you know, it's, it's Mysterious Mike Talent all the time, except for when I did that intro. What what about the talented mysterious Mike? Oh, that sounds good, but that kind of reminds me of this movie called The Talented Mr. Ripley, and that was kind of weird. So, so I don't know if I want to use that. Yes, sir. Okay, Mike. Well, so what what are we doing today, Mike? Uh, we're going to review uh scary stories to tell in the dark, man. And uh you know, off the bat, what do you think about this movie? Do you want me to give you the rundown first? Uh, yeah, why don't you give us the rundown? Okay, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. Alrighty, kids, for those of you who haven't turned off already. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was directed by Andre Overdahl, written by Dan Higman. Kevin Hagman, screenplay Di- Guillermo del Toro, story by Marcus Dunstan, Patrick Melton, and the original novel by Alvin Schwartz. It stars Zoe Margaret Coletti, Michael Garza, Gabriel Rush, Dean Norris, Gil Bellows, and Lorraine Toussaint. I think. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Well, uh, that's a very short description, that one. Let me see if there's a little bit longer one. Okay, that's a heck of a lot longer one, but I'll go with that one. All right. It's 1968 in America. Change is blowing in the wind, but seemingly far removed from the unrest in the cities is the small town of Mill Valley, where for generations the shadow of the Bellows family has loomed large. It is in their mansion on the edge of town that Sarah, a young girl with horrible secrets, turned her tortured life into a series of scary stories written in a book that has transcended time stories that have a way of becoming all too real for a group of teenagers who discovered Sarah's terrifying tome. Dude, that was a really long run on sentence for that guy. And that was written by Anonymous. All right, yeah, Mike. that was that that was long, dude. It was it was. I probably should have gone with the short one, but the short one was like super short. Here's here's the short one. A group of teens face their fears in order to save their lives. All right, I like the second one better because there's a little bit more to it. Yeah, I mean that's just like stupidly short, and that's the one that was probably sent out by the studio or the production company or whatever. Ugh. Mike, I'll be honest. I really, we talked about it last week. 
I really was looking forward to this movie. I thought it was really cool that they were finally doing some horror movies that helped shape my young mind. I loved the artwork. I loved the stories. I remember reading them. I don't remember them well now because it's been, God, probably 25 years at least. But these helped me grow into the giant nerd that I am ta- I am now, where I love sci-fi, I love horror to a level, not the level you do, but I don't hate it. It helped me expand my mind that there's a lot more out there going on, and just right off the top, I was disappointed in this film. I really, I really was expecting more. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. Uh, I was expecting a lot more. Uh, I will say... The, the graphics and the uh, special effects in this movie were great, but the story was meh. Agree. Agree. And it's not so much the individual smaller sh- stories. Those are the ones... Man, I'm having a hard time talking today. Ugh. Those were the ones that were better because those are the ones that are direct from the book. The main story that ties them all together was Sarah Bellows. I wasn't a huge, huge fan of that story. It was extremely predictable. It's been done before. The twist on them being a paper mill. I mean, it makes sense for the town being named Mill Valley and all that. The big twist we find later on in the spoiler section. You know, I saw that coming a mile down the road, but it just... That the main story wasn't great. The individual stories is what was really good. And I know this is going to be bad. Maybe maybe not bad, but just my observation. I think if this was rated R, it probably would have been a better movie. Uh, it might have been. It might have been a little bit better if it was rated R. But honestly, you know, as we've talked about many times, Matt, it's the story that keeps coming back and makes us watch these movies. And this story wasn't, wasn't the best. Like, yes, I, I mean, I, I'm with Matt. I, I grew up watch, uh, reading these books and I was excited to see some of this stuff come on to the big screen. And although they did some of it quite faithfully and some of the artwork seemed really cool, the story was just, not quite there like in in overall as far as the scary factor this movie's not that scary i did enjoy that they didn't really try to do a lot of the jump scares so there's there's like one particular scene where i remember there was like a jump scare but that's fine just one in a horror movie uh these days is great because i feel like a lot of movies just go to the jump scares and these various different creepy situations and just try and use that instead of actually having like a good story that's suspenseful and and the characters are actually scary. So Yeah, dude, that was very nice that there was not many jump scares at all because I feel that the jump scare is just a giant cop out, honestly. I think it's just Oh, look, we're going to make you jump by turning up the volume really loud and making something flash onto screen. I just, it's a cop out to scare people. Sure, sometimes it, that, especially the cheesy horror movies, that's what it is. But I applaud them for not doing that on this. And yeah, I agree. The, the CGI was incredible. The faithfulness of the individual stories to the actual artwork was awesome. I really liked that. The acting wasn't horrible. 
it wasn't anything to write home about. Uh, there's a lot of potential, especially in these young actors. Hopefully going forward, we will see. Uh, you definitely can see Guillermo del Toro's touch on this film, specifically in the monsters for sure. Uh, I loved how they seamlessly blended the CGI and the practical effects. The last monster you see is clearly 100% CGI, but it's not really bad and it's not over the top. It actually looks pretty gosh darn good if you ask me. And it it's super creepy. And that was probably one of my favorite stories of all of them. Yeah, no, the, the, the movie as far as like special effects, man, they just, they killed it. I just wish the story was a little bit better. Like, there was really good special effects. Uh, I didn't feel like they overused them. I feel like they were just trying to use them from further stories. And the individual stories, like you've said, Matt, were great. It was just some of the the overar- the the whole overarching kind of why these stories kind of existed and what was going on was a little bit weak. More than a little bit. Very weak. I agree. And what's interesting is I started to like the, well, not started. I enjoyed the start of them introducing the story specifically at Cerebello's home where it's like the haunted house kind of thing. And then I was like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. This is pretty good. I'm, I want to see where this goes. And then it just starts falling apart from there. It, it really does. It's just, nope, goes out the door. The, pretty much from the time period when they leave the uh, haunted house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, so I was hoping this would be more like some of the newer horror movies that I've really enjoyed. And I'm just going to tell you about a couple of them real quick. Dude, go fire away, man. Fire away. We know you're the uh, real film nerds horror aficionado. And so go for it, man. Let's hear about them. All right, so the first one I was just going to throw a shout out to was uh, Don't Breathe, because that was just a really well done, good horror movie um, about kind of a situation where some people get into a house and it's super scary and the uh, person can't see them and that's why they can't breathe because you can hear them. It was awesome. Oh, that's a really interesting concept. Man, I'm, I, I see why you think I might have seen that, because that is definitely something right up my alley. Yeah, there was a, another movie. It's kinda, it's, it follows, and it's, it's kind of a, a new take on the somewhat like cliche thing to do in horror movies, where if, if you have like premarital sex, you will be killed. <laughs> um, and... It is creepy as can be. I can't, I, I, without telling you too much about it, it is awesome. And it's just a low budget, but just super cool kind of like creepy thing that follows people around. That's why they call it It Follows. But uh, that movie, uh, of course, me and Matt have gushed over this many times, but uh, Hereditary, which I really, really enjoyed. And then um, the final one I'm going to talk about is, uh, this is a bit of an older one, but it's still new-ish, I guess, in the horror genre, as far as in my mind. This is all just me. Uh, That's The Ring, uh, 2002, the American version, directed by Gore Verbinski. 
that was a really good horror movie as well because it's just it's super creepy and the buildup is just there and so like when the final scene happens you're just like <gasps> like just you're into it it's got you it grabbed you and i feel like this movie just didn't have that it didn't hook you there was no hook but dude her uh not hereditary the ring was a phenomenon man i mean everybody was talking about that movie everybody people who would never see a horror movie in their lives was talking about it i mean that was a huge film when it came out because it was so groundbreaking Oh, it was so good. It was so good. But it was based on a Japanese movie called, I think, Ring You. And I didn't want to confuse any of the audience because we are the film nerds. So this was The Ring. This was directed by Gore Verbinski in 2002. Not to be confused with the other one. Did you ever watch the Japanese version? I did. I think I like the American version better. But, you know, it might be one of those things that I saw this one first. And so this one kind of sticks with me better. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. Another example is I I love the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. And I watched the Swedish versions of the films first. And so now I don't like the American ones as much. I thought you liked the original, uh, the first film, and the other two were not quite as good of the American versions. Well, the American version, there's only the the one movie, and then there's there is a new one that came out, uh, but it wasn't. I thought that was the third one. I'm I'm confused. Sorry, my bad. Well, no, it's 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 complicated. But a- anyway, uh, you, you're right. Uh, the, I love those those movies, but I. I actually, I think I like the Swedish ones better, even though I had to read the whole movie. I loved it. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And we'll be getting into that, hopefully, on our next podcast, unless we only get one recorded this week, which in case we will put Revenger on the back burner again. But uh, for those of you who are curious and want to hear Mike and I talk about Hereditary, we reviewed Hereditary last year, June 21st, 2018. Real Film Nerds episode number 23. Awesome, Matt. Yeah, thanks for doing that. Yeah, uh, to the internets. I forgot to say it before I did it, but yes, I went to the internets. It's real hard not doing it with a keyboard, though. I gotta I gotta start, you know, getting a keyboard, like maybe take my r- loud clicky one that I love and like push it off to the side and get the quiet one just when we're recording so I can type. But, you know, I also don't care that much because we're 128 episodes in and I'm still using the same keyboard. So, all right, Mike. Well, uh, are we good? Oh, you know what? Here, let's do this before I ask the most important question of the entire podcast. That's true. Mike, do you recommend people to go see Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark in the theaters? Oh, you know, I was actually contemplating what I would say for this, and my answer is kind of vague. So if you like horror movies, this movie has some aspects that are kind of cool to see in the big theater and, you know, the quiet and all that stuff. But the story's not really that great, so I have a hard time. Um, I'm going to recommend you watch this at home, honestly. Uh, Save your money. Uh, 
I I I wanted to like this movie more than I did, but it just didn't turn out that way. So I would say stay home. I agree with you, Mike. In one standpoint, though. All right. This is a film intended more towards the younger viewer. It's a PG-13. It is not an R. So if you are a seasoned horror veteran like Mike and I, well, like Mike, I, I'm not seasoned. I would say I'm a veteran just because I'm old. But I've seen you know quite a few horror movies as well. I, I would say if you're expecting to go and enjoy yourself and pay the money, I'd say now nah, wait till it comes out on Netflix or Blu-ray or whatever. Just watch it at home. But here's my big butt giant butt if you are a parent and you have kids that are older than 13 14 15 you know young adults high school young teenager age and they have not been introduced to the horror world yet i think this would be a pretty good movie to bring them to in a theater because yeah it's scary and it's based on a novel and it's based on kids' stories and things like that, but it's not blood, guts, and gore, over the top, kind of, you know. So I think this would be a good one as an introduction to horror as a genre. You know, you know, Matt, that's that's 100% true. I, I agree with you on that. I didn't even think about it from that angle. So that that's very cool. See, and I'm not even a breeder. Uh, people uh, that are listening, breeder means person who has kids. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt is uh has all these weird slang. I don't know. Are they Matt isms? They, they yeah, I think they are Matt isms. <laughs> oh, all right, Mike. Let's do it. Let's ask the most important question of the podcast. So, Mister Talent. How does 2019's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark relate to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Well, Matt, thanks for asking. And uh, this MCU was a little bit harder to find, but uh, I, I did find that uh, Kevin Carter worked on the makeup department in Captain Marvel and also worked on the makeup department for this movie. I'll allow it. Everybody needs good makeup. Yes. Yes. I looked at all the usual sp- suspects as far as actors and directors and producers, but uh there was a lot of movies that are kind of going to be Marvel movies, but weren't at the time. Mm. If that makes sense. And there's a lot of uh, newbie actors and directors and screenwriters and things as well. Yeah, there was there was like X Men things and stuff like that. But I I I didn't I didn't choose any of that stuff because it's very questionable. So anyway. To stick with the normal MCU. Well, good job, Mike. We did. <laughs> Your streak continues. Yes, thank you. I, I have a feeling, though, and we probably should just say it now. If we do get to Revenger, I really don't think you're going to find an MCU tie-in for that. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about that as well. Uh, we might just have to open up with, be like, hey, this movie is from uh, Korea. 
we're not going to have anything tied together, but I'm going to look. So better get on it. Better get on it. <laughs> but yes, for those of you who do not know, Revenger is a Netflix original kind of Netflix has the rights to it. I think they put money into it to get it produced, but it is a foreign film. It is South Korean. We'll just go with Korean, but I'm pretty sure it's South Korean. Well, yeah, Korean. yeah, no, S- South Korean, dude. We don't we don't talk to North No, Korean. I don't think they would uh, even Netflix probably wouldn't bring a North Korean film onto it. But uh yeah, uh and we hopefully we'll get to that this week if not, you know, we'll get to it eventually. Eventually. It's uh it's one what we uh used to call in the newspaper world evergreen means that it'll never go out of style kind of thing cuz it's always going to be on Netflix, so we can hop on it next week the week after whenever we'll just see how it goes so all right mike let's uh jump into our spoiler discussion of scary stories to tell in the dark and you're going first okay um for my spoiler part of this movie i you know i was just disappointed with the the way some of the things went down with uh the 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 story um and I don't know the, the the character development was very very lax. Like uh, the main character uh, Stella, her dad is like this key character, and he's I mean barely even he he barely says anything in the movie and i i get you're supposed to see that there's this 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 heartbreak and this thing happened but it was it was very odd and then there was this weird exposition scene where uh stella is with some of her friends and she goes out in the the drive-in theater for to have a a moment by herself and her friends like tell you everything about her, so then you know more about what's going on. I don't know. It was just weird to me. I agree. I agree. That is, I don't want to get too off topic, but uh, that is one thing that I did like seeing was the uh, drive-in theater. I mean, man, dude, can you imagine going to the drive-in theater in the '60s and seeing cars like that? God, that must have been really neat. Of course, back then it was like us today rolling up and seeing a bunch of Camrys or something, but man, <laughs> yeah. No, no. I mean, now that, that was that was kind of a cool scene, but it was just a weird scene. Yeah, the her friends like literally are doing narration on why she's upset and why she's crying to this guy, this random guy that they jumped in his car. I thought it was going to be, especially how he looked at Stella. Right when they jumped in the car, I thought he was going to be like, you know, like maybe like he was a senior in their high school like two or three years ago or something. And he knew her, but, you know, he still was like, but no, completely random dude that they just jumped in his car. Yeah. And I guess since it's the spoiler part, we can say that he's like a draft dodger. And you're like, what in the hell? Like, because there's this weird scenes with the, the police and you're like, what is going on? Like, it, it seemed odd, but now it makes sense because y- you find out later about that. But, yeah, man, I don't know. It was weird to me. It comes off like they have to keep reminding you that this time period is in the 60s. Okay, he's a draft dodger. Wonderful. You said it once. Leave it alone. You know, then they bring in racism. 
you know, big time, big time bringing racism. Oh, well, it's the 60s. Remember, this movie takes place in the 60s. It's like, really? I mean, we got it. We got it from the start with all the cars, with how everybody's talking. Nobody has smartphones. You know, we understand what time period it is. You don't have to keep cramming it down our throats. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, that was some some weird stuff about the movie. Uh, I did like... I liked the, the little short stories. I liked them a lot. The special effects were amazing. It was just the overall overarching story that was just like... It was hard to... I don't know. I just didn't feel super invested. I don't know why... Yeah, that makes two of us, man. Makes two of us. All right, well, since you like the uh, the stories that were taken from the novel, I'm going to go with that as well. But here, I'm going to ask you a question, Mike. Which one did you enjoy the most out of uh, the four? Um, I think I like the toe one. Yeah? The toe one? Yeah. Yeah, the the, the missing toe one with the, the uh, I guess... What do we say, zombie or corpse? Uh, corpse. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they refer to her as a corpse in the in the story and in the movie. But um, yeah, I, it was it's what we would refer to today as a zombie. Yeah, yeah. I I think I like that one the best. Um, the scarecrow thing was uh kind of cool, but I I kind of wanted more out of it, and I felt like it was a short lived. Um, I feel like they were saving some of their CG effects for the final one, which was the, uh, what, I can't remember what, what was the story. It was a weird, it had a weird name. I don't remember the name, but, um, Ramon Morales played by Michael Garza says it's a campfire story. And I don't remember exactly how they refer to it as a, as referred to the creature. But that one was really cool. That was probably probably my favorite one is the last one. Even though it's uh, not really a story, it was just more of a monster coming out after him. I really enjoyed the Scarecrow. I thought that was great. But just like you, Mike, I think they could have done a heck of a lot more with it. And, I mean, they didn't... They Okay, so they explained, like, the kid's grown up at this farm forever and he's scared to death of the Scarecrow. But then how come he's taking time out of his precious day to sit there and hit it with a bat. Like that's how the movie starts. It's like, okay, you're beating up a scarecrow. Good for you. I I don't know. I mean, that's not so much a fear. I mean, you can have this fear built in without showing us a whole five minute scene of him beating it up with a bat with his two buddies, you know? Yeah. True. This one's in the trailer, but the red bump, the uh almost all the stories are in the trailer actually but uh the 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 zit from hell that turns into a bunch of spiders that one definitely is like one of the creepiest ones for sure yeah no that one was creepy uh i mean also the the one where the guy gets chased down by the the i don't even know what to call it but large person yeah like the creepy looking woman thing yeah, that was cool. That was a really cool scene, like how they did it. All the stuff was really cool, like the build up and everything. But I don't know. Like like I I I did like the story parts. Like it, it just seemed like the overarching story didn't 
go well. It left a lot more to be desired. Really did. And, and then the ending was like, what? Oh, dude, that's right where I was going to go. <laughs> what? Like, what do you... I was appalled, actually, at the ending, because, uh, you know, I was I was figuring, all right, you... you you uh, did what you were aiming to do, which was uh, defeat the thing, and then they're just going to try and combat stuff, and there's... Uh, I don't know, man. It was weird. Yeah, it didn't end well at all. It cl- left us with, you know, sequel-itis, you, you know, because they definitely are going to want to attempt to do a sequel. I'm not sure how well it's doing at the box office. I don't think it's gonna have a sequel, I don't think it should have a sequel. If they bump up the main story, I'd be open to seeing a sequel, but especially if they implement more of the the short stories, but it just they're like, "Oh, well, we're going to leave it on a giant cliffhanger." Okay. Great. Thanks. Yeah, it was just mm. All right, Mike. Well, let's do it. Let's get to the uh, meat and potatoes. How many reels do you give scary stories to tell in the dark? All right, man. Uh, I'm going to give this one two reels out of five. Damn it, Mike. Damn it. We're paying attention way too much to each other lately because I also give it two out of five reels. <sighs> well, you know what? It. I mean, we've we've said it since the beginning. We we've read these kind of the some of the source material for this, and we were hoping that this was going to be better. And it just wasn't that great. Well, especially with a name like Guillermo del Toro freaking attached to it. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he he clearly had an uh, effect on the creatures because they were awesome. Like that stuff was awesome. But like I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, there's what four screenwriters on this? Four or five? Hold on, let me pull exactly up how many. There's one, two. There's three screenwriters on this. So I'm wondering if they're like, all right, Guillermo, you you know do the short stories and we'll do the main story. You know the the they look. I'm not sure if they're brothers, but Dan Hagman and Kevin Hagman. Uh, I mean, I I don't know either. Uh, I mean, if I had to venture a guess, I would say yes, but doesn't mean I got my money on. Oh yeah. They have to be brothers. They've written a lot of stuff together. Troll Hunters, uh, Lego Movie, uh, Ninjango. I think they might have written the regular. Yeah, they wrote the regular Lego Movie, Hotel Transylvania, Troll Hunters. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to throw blame on them, but. I don't know. Overall, I mean, the, the we've said it like five times. We'll say it again. The overarching story was just not not worth the time, but the mini stories are. So maybe cut that shit completely out and just give us a bunch of the mini stories put together. Like, uh, God, oh, I'm trying to think. Um, there's horror movies that have done that before. I, I don't, I can't remember one off the top of my head where it's like a, it's like three or four short kind of like movies put together in one like um, tales from the crypt kind of yeah well, i mean there were i mean tales from the crypt was definitely kind of like that where it was like eight 
eight, ten, maybe twelve minute like things where it would do a horror sequence and then it would be done. Uh, or even like know. Twilight Zone, you know? But those yeah. are TV shows. But I think it would have been more successful doing that than having this overarching story. I mean, it's cool they tied it all together. I like that, but I don't like how they did it. It was just too boring. Well, all right, Mike. I don't know what else to add. Maybe we'll talk about uh, what we're going to review next week. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know what else to add either. Um, we are looking to do uh, the Revenge. Uh, revenge. What is it? Revenge you? Revenger. Revenger. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what else is coming out. Well, I know what I want to uh, watch next week, Mike, in the theaters. What What do you want to watch next week in the theaters? The Angry Birds movie too. What? You don't want to watch Blinded by the Light? No, actually, I was thinking Good Boys. That doesn't come out to the... S- oh, yeah. Good Boys, or there's 47 meters uh, down, uncaged. Dude, that looks really bad. Like, the trailer looks really bad. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. It's, and it's done by that... <laughs> it's done by the same production company that did the Meg. Uh, I'll never forget uh, it. I'll never forget it. Entertainment Studios, like the most generic name ever for a production company. Ah, uh, all right. Well, <laughs> uh, I know you want to go see it just so we can tear it apart, right? No, no, I don't want to see it because I don't. I don't even want to have to tear it apart because I don't think anybody will ever watch it. But unfortunately, that is not the case, and maybe we should watch it just so I could tell people don't watch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. Well, okay, so, all right, we'll figure it out. But, I mean, there's also Where Do You Go, Bernadette. That's supposed to be a good one. I don't know how much interest I have in it. It has... Oh, man, I don't know, man. It looks like a weird movie. Like, yeah, yeah. it's got some great actors in it. But I'm like, what is the story? Great actors, great director. I believe it's based on a novel. Uh, I don't know. Blinded by the Light looks pretty cool. Honestly, it does. Uh, it's another uh, music-based film, but I don't think the music is as heavy like a biopic. It's uh, inspiration for this character's life, so that might be interesting. Uh, I do want to see Good Boys, but I think it's probably being torn apart. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll f- we'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. We'll pick one of those three. Or we'll just uh, go the other way and we will go see 47 meters down just so we can just destroy it. Well, I don't know if I want to force you to watch that movie, Matt. But uh, I guess with that, Matt, uh, you want to close this out? You want me to close this out? All right. All right. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, got you it. do it. Woo. All right. Let's see what I'm going to say. I'm trying to think what I'm going to say. All right. All right. Here we go. All right, make sure to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, That's how we grow, especially the old iTunes. Leave us a review, rate us, tell us how bad or good we're doing. Uh, Word of mouth is what's helping us because I don't want to pay for advertising and neither does Mike. So if you think we're doing a good job or if you think we're not, go ahead, tell people to listen to us anyways. Follow us on all the social medias. I post every now and then. Mike never posts. At Real Film Nerds, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We got the uh, Facebook fan group. Sometimes there's some good discussion in there. Sometimes there's not. 
Other than that, I think we are good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Go out and catch a movie. Thank you for listening to The Real Film Nerds. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Film Nerds. Now, go out and catch a movie.